This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. For many of us, events represent opportunities for both personal and professional growth. They serve as a catalyst for helping individuals step outside their comfort zones and present opportunities to explore a new city, interact with old friends, and learn something new. But what happens when traditional marketing events can no longer take place? How do you bring that same experience to your consumers virtually? We asked all these questions to James Huddleston, the Vice President of Marketing at Certain, who specializes in marketing events. And on this episode of Marketing Trends, James discusses why the content of your event, whether it's in-person or virtual, will always be king. Plus, he explains why vendors are being asked to contribute in new ways and why there are many advantages to virtual meetings. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, James, what's going on? Hey, Ian. Uh, doing well. How are you? Doing well. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's an exciting day to be talking about marketing, specifically event marketing. There's nothing more relevant right now than that. Um, so we're going to be uh, doing a bunch of that, plus your background. So let's get into it. How did you get started in marketing in the first place? So I uh, traditionally, or when I first uh, started out in the business world, was in sales uh, initially mostly inside sales, then moved into kind of account management, CSM, before it was even termed kind of a customer success management type function or role. Uh, And then, you know, made the move into marketing. I saw what was interesting or what intrigued me about marketing was the kind of psychological elements or aspects um, of, you know, putting yourself in the the buyer shoes, um, really trying to think through what appeals to them from a messaging perspective, positioning perspective, you know, product perspective. Uh, so that I just found really interesting. And I think the other thing I would note is I, when I did start uh, kind of move into the marketing uh, function, I was in product marketing, which I, I loved uh, because really no day was the same. Every day, I could be working on something like a messaging doc platform, a presentation for an executive, um, you know, a uh, an email like email copy. It just exercises so many different parts of your brain, and I feel like also there's just uh, so many challenges associated with taking a product to market that I got to potentially, you know, to to lead and and uh, work on that I just found really invigorating. So. Um, that was how I got got started, and that's how I got there. Flash forward to today, what does it mean to be VP of marketing at Certain? Yeah, so it's I mean it's an interesting time for a company that's kind of traditionally been focused on helping support large enterprises with their in, drive results from uh, in person events. Um, you know, it is you know it's a fascinating time period just for marketers in terms of how to market during a a massive crisis like this and how to do so sensitively so that, you know, you're not coming off as somehow profiting from or commercial or being overly commercial. Um, 
but coming with empathy, right? Like it, it goes back to even just kind of being in your uh, prospect customer audience's shoes and, and thinking through, we're all, you know, we're, we're all living this, uh, this situation. We're all working from home. We have to be thoughtful about how then we, we market to those individuals and sensitive to how we market. Um, and for us, for me as the VP of marketing at certain, we've really approached it from a, a, a place of empathy um, with our core constituents, with our core audience. It's about what are the, you know, what are event marketers, uh, marketing ops, event planners, um, you know, how are they coping with this situation? Um, what, are, what are assets, resources we can provide to them just to help them with their day-to-day or to help them think through personal development and opportunities for them to grow their skill set to be applicable in this environment or even when you know, coming out of COVID, uh, you know, that they're, they're ready to, to kind of re-contribute to the, you know, driving that marketing engine forward. And for those of our listeners who don't know, tell us a little bit more about Certain. As I mentioned, so Certain, we uh, provide uh, event software, um, you know, traditionally event management software, event automation software for large enterprises to help them drive results from their events. Um, and what we've quickly done and what I've been really, really excited about is uh, we have really been innovative and flexible and nimble to not only focus kind of our traditional software was focused on, on in-person events, um, but we have developed solutions for how we can help support digital events, hybrid events. Um, and we've really been thoughtful about, uh, you know, based on wh- where we see the future of events going. Uh, developing and uh, identifying solutions, uh, capabilities that we are bringing to bear that will help support those kind of hybrid events of the future. Um, and so yeah, that's been, been a core focus. And the one thing I will say too is that even prior to COVID, um, you know, with in-person events, our vision has always been how do we enable event marketers, uh, marketing ops demand gen, to be able to collect and, and capture intent data, intent signals, uh, engagement data from, uh, from events to power their marketing and sales campaigns, uh, you know, funnel um, demand gen efforts. And that, with that vision and with that strategic focus, that hasn't really shifted, frankly, all that much or has at all, actually, pre-COVID to COVID. It just is a different event type. So before we were very much, it was focused on in-person events. Um, you know, now it's how do, we, how do we enable that same ability, our customers' uh, ability to capture greater intent data insights on their attendees um, now in, in through digital events. Um, and we have a solution that can do that uh, as well. Yeah, I like the idea that, uh, that it is just changing and that it's not kind of being replaced, right? Because I think that whatever an event is, like, you know, I mean, you could make an argument that a webinar is an event or there's all sorts of like what an event is, is really mm-hmm. just bringing a group of people together. So um, how you do that, the tactics that you do that obviously is going to change extremely fast. Um, but kind of the principles remain the same that you want to connect people, you want to um, you want to build a community, yep. you want to do those things. I'm curious, how do you look at, you know, those things at certain, how do you look at those kind of like principles for lack of a better term? 
Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I, it's it is it's just the events have moved online now uh, and digital for the time being. Um, the way we look at it, we what I see as a potential gap in the existing kind of webinar webcasting technology space is it's you will never be able to replicate the experience of in-person events digitally or fully online. Um, and that's okay. Uh, but, you know, I, what I also see as a gap is that, you know, a lot of the reason why people attend events in the first place is to network, connect, as you said, with one another, with the host, with exhibitors, with uh, other vendors. Um, and so we're looking for opportunities. The way we think about it is we're looking for opportunities to create additional ways for your attendees to connect with one another, with you, with, you know, potentially if you're leveraging exhibitors or vendors or sponsors, incorporating them into your digital events. Um, and so we're really being thoughtful about how we can facilitate and foster greater interaction. Um, and that ultimately interaction and engagement that you can capture. Now digitally does open up the fact that now, you know, in-person events, it's a, there are ways, but it's, it's more difficult to capture some of those moments, those, those uh, connection points. Whereas digitally, you know, it, it is a bit easier, you know, through surveys, through polls, through one-on-one -on -one meetings, through, you know, content that you can recommend. Uh, so there's more opportunities for that digital engagement that you can then capture uh, and, and uh, use to power your sales and, and marketing. I want to talk about events kind of like pre-COVID for a second, <laughs> um, because I think it, it'll help kind of look at this from a lens of, of that kind of principles based uh, approach. So what were you seeing from your customers that were kind of like the best practices and in-person and, and events uh, before all this happened? What we were saying was customers were starting to, or some of the, what I would consider best in class customers, being really, really thoughtful about how they promote. So to starting with like pre-event, how they promote the event to very select targeted individuals, prospects, customers, um, really take kind of incorporating account-based marketing approaches, marrying the concept of event marketing and account-based marketing um, within any event construct to target those individuals. Um, and this was something we were practicing too, by the way, uh, identify opportunities for meetings, scheduling those meetings uh, with those individuals prior to the event, but using the event as just the kind of uh, physical space by which you could meet with those individuals. Um, and then, uh, and then making sure that they're collecting and capturing data throughout the entire pre-event during event process that allows them to, um, follow up in real time. So within 24 hours, basically of the event with, um, highly relevant, uh, assets specific to, what sessions those attendees uh, uh, went to, um, how they engaged with various sponsors or with within the mobile event mobile app. Um, you know, there was, I think the really sort of innovative companies were looking at that. And then by the way, uh, they're thinking about it from an outcome perspective. So for them, what I saw what, um, is that they were being incredibly measured or being thoughtful, data-driven, I guess, if you will, about how they then measured the efficacy of that, those events. Uh, and the best in class were running at basically a 10 to one ROI in terms of how much uh, 
how much pipeline they were able to generate uh, 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 from the cost of that specific event. Um, and they're, you know, in the best, we're, we're measuring that really, really effectively and well, and across not just a single event, but their entire events program. Um, and so many, you know, some of our customers were definitely moving away from the just kind of large party, uh, you know, without really, I don't want to dismiss it totally, but just, you know, without being as thoughtful about, you know, what the intent of that event was um, to these kind of more smaller, I would say smaller in scale uh, events, uh, you know, a couple of thousand attendees, highly targeted within specific regions or lo uh, being highly localized, um, you know, to, to really get their target prospects and accounts to interact and engage with them. So much of what kind of drives a lot of this, especially for B2B, is the you know, field marketing that falls under demand gen, it's, it's really just kind of this demand gen engine that kind of fuels a lot of this. You have a list, you can kind of throw your salespeople at it. As we move to digital events, you can't really kind of throw a bunch of salespeople in a room. Uh, yes, you might get the list. Yes, you might, you know, um, have this kind of thing that's more like a webinar. I'm just curious, like, how does sales play into this whole process? Yeah, good question. I, you know, what actually is interesting is, and one of the things we're thinking about is leveraging, because we have a solution for managing meetings and traditionally had been using it for, to, uh, within the context of in-person events. But I do see an application within digital events as well, whereby sales, um, you know, it's not just about, okay, you generate some NQLs, you get a list of people who attended or viewed specific sessions or content uh, digitally. And then, okay, sales, you know, go off and figure out how to prospect into these prospects. You know, now being thoughtful about, again, who's who are you having attend? And then, you know, even in advance of that, you know, quote unquote, digital event or, or you know, set of sessions, you, you know, have sales be reaching out in advance. And with what you might already know about that specific individual or that prospect, you know, offer some relevant content as leading into those those digital events, you know, seek to get a one-on-one -on -one digital meeting with the sales person. And it doesn't have to be within the event context, but you're again, using the event as a catalyst to identify these, the right targeted individuals um, and market to them, you know, throughout, you know, just leveraging the event as an opportunity to do so. Yeah, it's a great point. Are, have you, well, I guess let's switch into kind of some of the, the kind of current state with COVID now. What has changed from what you've seen from your customers? Yeah, you know, I, there was a period early on where people, you know, it, no one knew how long this was going to last. Was this going to have an impact for a month, for a few weeks? Are we going to have big, you know, those grand big events again in the fall? Um, and I think more and more everyone is coming to the realization that this is going to last a while. Events as we know it are going to fundamentally change even when we get out, we'll come out of this. There's a lot of thought into uh, going into what is that future event uh, of events look like? And for us, our perspective, it's going to be very much a hybrid, um, hyper-localized events, smaller in scale. You're going to have to offer uh, a digital component to allow people to attend digitally, remotely, 
you know, whether they're a health risk or, you know, feeling under the light, whatever the situation is. Uh, but for the in-person component as well, as well, you have to think about how now, whether it's passive temperature checks, um, you know, you incorporate, uh, how, do you, how do you think about the health and safety of the attendees who are going to be in person? Um, and how do you construct an in-person event experience with that in mind? And that's going to be top of mind for, for everyone, even uh, when we do have come out of, of social isolation. Um, you know, in our, the way we're thinking about it is how do we not only help from a health, and health uh, attendee uh, health perspective, uh, but what are ways that you can seamlessly integrate the digital component and allow those people who are interacting or, or attending an event digitally or virtually to be able to engage and interact just as if they were there um, and, and allow them that opportunity to do so and make it feel at least somewhat seamless um, as if, you know, they were there in person. And that's, you know, that's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for the entire events industry to, to figure that out. Um, but we're, that is where our, focuses from a strategic perspective. Um, and, and our perspective is it's going to be these, these hybrid kind of hyper-localized events for, for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would be curious if there's going to be almost more like kind of book club sort of uh, events in the future where, you know, the, the content of the event is something that could be pointing to a podcast or an older you know, session or something pre-recorded, and then you all meet in breakout rooms, whether that's like in real life or digital or or whatever it is, because you can't fill an auditorium full of a group of people. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I I think there's an opportunity to kind of redesign how events are done in the first place. Like if you look at kind of what are the most popular parts of events and it's meeting new people and actually getting to have a dialogue or sitting in a room with other people and kind of doing those whiteboard sessions and different sort of things like yeah that stuff is, is i think really cool and i think that from a content perspective there's uh there's a lot more ways to do that than there have been in the past uh and there's a lot more to way, ways to create kind of in person intentional you know group more time grouping people by similarities things like that yeah i, th- I think you're you're right i it's um there's an opportunity to explore how you create uh interesting experiences too i would add to that you know if how do you um one one of the things we're thinking about or, or potentially doing for, for a digital event that we are hosting is, okay, we, can we, you know, how do we personalize the swag? We may not have the individual's address, but we give them an, uh, you know, an online marketplace that they can select from uh, or, uh, you know, Grubhub or some sort of Uber Eats, you know, that where they can have lunch actually delivered on us directly to their home. Um, and we can, facilitate some sort of, you know, uh, just interesting interactive experiences within the event. Um, and, Cause you're right. I like it. You know, I think not only in person needs to be rethought, but even some of the, the digital events, people, at least this is me speaking from my experience, but you know, I don't, uh, in a one to many webinar where you're not really seeing other individuals who are there you're not able to interact really that that effectively, um, and it's really just someone speaking at you for 45 minutes, and you're kind of, you know, you've got other things going on. You know, I just don't see that 
being successful or driving the same results as you could through a much more interactive uh, session, uh, to your point even, you know, like a, a brainstorm session or whiteboard session or a luncheon or, you know, there's, there's uh, different ways to connect that need to be thought through that, that can be incorporated now virtually or digitally uh, that traditionally haven't been. Yeah, I really think that the curation of what people you're putting in a room together will be kind of the next iteration of that. I ran an event a, uh, a number of years ago. And when we finished, it was it was around startups, uh, startup founders, and, and kind of pairing them with either like biz dev leaders uh, in a certain space that could buy from them or investors that could invest in their company and things like that. And so we did a, spend a bunch of time like pairing these uh, these one-on-one sessions. We had like a kind of like a lightning style, like 20 minutes with each person. And we just spent so much time trying to make sure that people were paired with the right people that, you know, surprise, surprise, after the event, every, like every single person thought that that was the most impactful part of the entire kind of conference um, because there was so much thought put into it and it really helped move the needle. And that 20 person like kind of speed dating or 20 minute speed dating thing allowed them to actually connect with those people later on in a more meaningful way, rather than the kind of like, you know, standing there with a, you know, cranberry juice in your hand, trying to go up and talk to random people, which can be pretty awkward. Yeah, that is for the events that we've run and and hosted and um, uh, even from a number of customers, one of the main points of feedback is always when it comes to sessions and content and, and what it was most memorable, it's always the ability to interact and engage with peers in roundtable discussions. Um, you need, ideally you have some structure, like you said, you guys were really thoughtful about who you paired with whom. Um, and I would say, yeah, you, you know, you don't want to just leave it to chance. Like you want some structure around those sessions, but uh, I've always, that is the feedback we always get as well is that those are often those interactive sessions that are, uh, you know, where they have the ability to connect and network with their peers are often the most insightful, useful, and where they glean a lot of great information and that they can take back to their business. One of the things that is always a challenge is how are vendors included in the ecosystem? Traditionally, you have, you know, the trade show where, you know, it's pay to play to get your brand X, Y, and Z on X, Y, and Z swag on all that sort of stuff, right? Um, The, you know, diamond, you know, gold, platinum, whatever, right? I'm curious, um, do you think that the way that vendors engage in events will change, kind of going forward um, now that there's sort of this uh, this new normal and again when you can't when you can't have your 20 salespeople on the ground on the floor at the trade show that has you know 10,000 people at it or a hundred thousand people at it um, that relationship is going to change in a massive way vendors are really might not see the ROI because that's how they were used to doing business in the past was hey you know we knew that we were going to be able to have all of our, our entire sales team uh, at the at the event um, I'm curious like how do you think that, that things like that change yeah I think if in the future of events the it being a more you know it, a smaller event, you know, again, very localized, um, potentially smaller group of people. 
the uh, I would see what I see is that the the vendor needs to uh, participate or contribute to the content of that type of event, whether that's through facilitating a brainstorming session, you know, maybe doing the presentation. But I would, I will, I think what is different is the host is going to have a significantly higher uh, uh, threshold of, of, you know, what constitutes value from that content. So, um, you know, historically in these broad, you know, where you, when you sponsor a large trade show, it, it, uh, not all of them, uh, the vendor sessions tend to be commercials, but they definitely, it's always about that. It's always about their product. Ultimately, you know, maybe wrapped around some thought leadership that could be insightful and interesting. Um, but I think now without that captive, captive audience and, you know, with content being so key to driving, getting the right people interested in, in person, um, and it being such a select group of people, the bar is going to be raised for what that vendor can contribute uh, or sponsor can contribute from a content perspective. You, you know, there's uh, the the host is ultimately going to want to have a you know a, a significantly uh, you know audit that content, really make sure that it's meeting the expectation of what their audience, the participants, are going to see. It's going to have to uh, you know fit within the theme of that that localized event um, and be a seen as a kind of true value add to their audience. Um, I think that's, uh, but, and I think that's an opportunity for vendors too, by the way, I don't on the other, on, from their perspective, you know, it's, you know, they should be aspiring to that level of content. It should be about what value can I add, you know, product agnostic or technology agnostic um, or whatever I sell agnostic, you know, what value can I actually contribute? What, what can, you know, can I, can I give them, this audience that they can take back um, and they'll remember me because they'll remember my brand. They'll remember, they'll, they'll see me as an expert or a, a thought leader. And I can uh, now, now my brand is affiliated with, with that. And then ultimately they'll, you know, I, you know, ideally continue to interact and consume my content as a result. Um, so I think the bar, if I had to summarize, I mean, the bar is going to go up for those vendors and, and I think they contribute to, to content um, less so like booth swag, you know, uh, as you would have seen in the past. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, the, the five minute spot to pitch your company's product before, you know, the Steph Curry keynote is still <laughs> always going to be the most important slot of the entire event. Right. Like, uh, you know, any, any time you're, you're before that, it's a big deal. Um, and I think there's still obviously like a ton of value, like a lot of people go to trade shows to find new products and services, right? So it's it's not like it's um, you know, I, I think that everybody there is is inherently like, you know, in on it. It's not like anyone goes to a to a trade show or something like that and expects it to not be a, a place where vendors are. Um but yeah, I think that that it will change a little bit. The other piece on this that I wanted to touch on is like events are great and can't be replaced by digital events in the sense that um, it's cool to be in the real world and see new cities and see how all like they're beautiful, they're elaborately done, they're really cool and they're fun. And it gets you um, out of your comfort zone. It gets their team, your team out of their comfort zone into a new place. 
um, it's kind of a, a proving ground for a lot of marketers to like be on the events team and to figure out all of the mechanics that go into that. Um, again, I, I think that that stuff really, I don't think is ever going to change dramatically. Like the, the mechanics might change, but I think that ultimately like those in-person experiences, they're just fun. Like that's the reason why we've been doing them, right? Yes, there might be too many or maybe there aren't enough. I don't know, but it it is fun. And like, I think that the events of the future will focus on trying to create a memorable experience, a fun thing, because that's what you want as a marketer, right? Like you want your brand to be associated with fun, like, like Salesforce. And obviously they sponsor this podcast and we love them, but like, there's a reason why they have Bruno Mars or whoever it is. And these like massive rock concerts and stuff, because it's memorable. And you remember the time, like I remember, um, oh, I didn't see Bruno Mars cause I was, went to something else but i remember not seeing bruno <laughs> mars uh at dreamforce like five years ago or whatever it was um and those things i think are part of making something like it a real world experience that like locks into that person's mind of like who you are as a brand who you are as a company and like i don't know how people figure that out but i think that that's the stuff that you know, the, the digital events, you don't, it's just not as memorable. It's not going to be as memorable because if you spend every day sitting in your house, staring at your computer, it's really, really hard to stand out. Um, when you don't have all those physical cues. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you mentioned it. It's those experiences that, that are most memorable that are sometimes ancillary to the event. Uh, you know, for instance, like we, we didn't, uh, sponsor Dreamforce, but being host uh, or being headquartered in San Francisco, we, we've always had ancillary events or sponsored ancillary events in and around Dreamforce. Um, and one of the most successful we have ever had, and we've now, I think we did it a couple of years in a row, is just a, a Chinatown food tour. Um, and, you know, to your point, that people just, they want the experience, they want to see the city, they want to learn about the culture and some of the history and you know, eat really, really yummy fortune cookies. And, um, you know, it, 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 like food becomes a big part of the events too, right? Um, so, yeah, it's those experiences that you really just can't replicate online uh, or digitally, virtually. So, yeah, I mean, we are trying to be thoughtful about what are ways that you can hyper-personalize the experience for the attendee if they are virtually attending, um, you know, that where at least they're consuming content that is highly relevant and unique to them, uh, not even within a, uh, within a specific event, but across multiple events. And the more they consume, the more you get to understand their habits, their behaviors, and you can offer up, potentially offer up interesting experiences, even digitally or online. Um, but, you know, that's, it is a, it is, a high bar, you're just never going to repl replicate that success the digitally as you would with an in-person event. Well, and, you know, you talked about personalization and obviously this is, you know, one of the big buzzwords um, for everybody. And it's really not a buzzword. It's something that we're all doing and trying to figure out. I mean, I, I think about you have like content as you know, lives out there in the world, people can opt into it and kind of passively engage with it. Then you have like the next you know, version of that where it's like, you can submit things, you could submit a question, you can, you know, kind of engage with it a little bit to put in some inputs and it'll give you out 
out more more answers. The thing that's so great about events is you can actually get one-on-one personalized feedback on your exact problems. Like, how do you, you know, how does your company do, you know, remote events in Oslo uh, when your team is based on the East Coast or uh, on the West Coast or something like that? Like, you can get these hyper-specific answers. And those are the sort of things that, like, are so valuable. I'm, I'm curious, just how do you look at personalization and, and how this is changing? It does go back a bit to what I mentioned earlier about really applying uh, account-based marketing strategies to within the context of an event, within the initial registration experience, you know, how, based on what you know about that person already, or if you don't know anything, it's, you know, are there ways that you can incorporate dynamic elements into that registration where you can collect some additional information without being over, like creating an overly, you know, lengthy form, but maybe let's say, you know, if I as a VP of marketing, uh, uh, fill that in on my title, you know, maybe you have a subset of tracked or a specific experience you want to offer me as a VP, uh, that maybe is just, just specific to VP and above role and above you know, offering another question or asking me what sort of sessions I might be interested in or categories of sessions I might be interested in. And collecting just little bits of information like that can help you personalize the experience kind of leading into the actual event. So then you can, okay, let's say I was, you know, I'm interested in um, uh, marketing automation. Okay, now I can I can push a series of content or put you into a marketing nurture related to marketing automation um, or thought leadership uh, specific to marketing automation leading up to the event that might be interesting. Or I can recommend sessions or automatically register you for specific sessions on that topic. Um, And, you know, just really being thoughtful about the way I'm thinking about it and, and our company is thinking about it is how do we create that hyper-personalized, you know, unique event journey for each individual attendee based on what information we already know about them or what we're capturing pre-events, during, and during event that we can offer those kind of uh, hyper-personalized, whether it's additional content sessions, uh, one-on-one meetings, um, or even experiences that may be relevant to that individual. Taking a step back, um, I'm curious... Do you have any favorite campaigns that uh, you've worked on uh, throughout your career or, uh, or are working on? It's a kind of a campaign tactic that we use when we uh, sponsor events, but that I like a lot is when, and this goes back to your question about, you know, uh, how a sales incorporated. Um, and again, this is, um, when I say events, I mean, you know, both digital, in-person, uh, but traditionally, when we were when we'd sponsor an in-person show, um, one of the things I like to do from a, camp, a campaign and tactic perspective is we would go and we would figure out, okay, who are the individuals within our kind of top tier accounts that we want to target that we either know are going to be at the show or we know uh, are with you know in the same city that, that the show is being hosted. Um, and let's get hyper targeted, hyper personalized with how we like, we need to get a meeting set up with them scheduled in advance so that we can meet them on the show floor or in a, you know, in a suite, whatever, or in a room. Um, and so we would, we would literally just create a most wanted list of, and usually it's no more than 10 to 15 accounts, uh, or people within those target accounts. 
Um, and we'd create those most wanted posters. We'd have a, a Rev War Room. You can do this digitally too. Um, but then every week leading up to that event, we'd work with our sales development team and, sale, and uh, our, our account executives to identify, okay, what, what are the, you know, um, have we, can we check off any of these most wanted? Have we been able to schedule a meeting uh, through email marketing, through LinkedIn, uh, you know, targeting, uh, or through sales development, proactive uh, prospecting and outreach? And so the sales or the SDR individual would get to go up and basically, you know, put the big red X through those individuals uh, if a meeting was was set with those those folks. And that was in any it was a lot of fun just because it brought sales and marketing together. It's just a kind of fun activity to put up there and just put it in a kind of creative way. It made it a lot of fun to um uh, to really target these individuals and be thoughtful and creative about how we, you know, hyper-personalized or targeted or uh, reached out and, and try, sought to engage with these, with these individuals. You know, these are obviously uh, some unprecedented times. I'm curious, um, how do you lead your marketing team kind of through this, uh, through this crisis? Um, and uh, what are some of the things that you're doing with, you know, shelter in place and all the things going on? Yeah, I know it is. Uh, um, it's interesting times. We now it was interesting for us is that most of my marketing team was actually remote anyway. So it's from a management operational perspective. Um, there has it hasn't been a huge shift. If anything, it's been harder for me not being able to go into the office uh, personally, um, just with kids running around at home and and you know other personal things going on. Um, but from a team operational perspective, I think it's, you know, we've actually transitioned to that style of management very well. Um, what is interesting is as, as a company, you know, we use Slack, um, but you, you know, I've found <laughs> personally, uh, when I communicate through instant, whether it's Slack or some other tool through instant messaging kind of platforms, I'm very, very direct. Um, but that's because usually I'm, you know, face, I'm in the office, I can see other people that I'm communicating with, uh, you know, I see them in the break room or the, the water cooler, and we can have a good conversation, talk work, talk personal. Um, now without that there, what's interesting is I'm finding I have to be more thoughtful, um, sensitive may not be quite the right word, but thoughtful in how I communicate, you know, because uh, via like Slack, um, because, because, you know, I could come off a little too direct or, you know, like the tone is not easy to understand through those types of messaging platforms. And so, you know, um, I've had to be a little more thoughtful. And then if, if need be, of course, you know, load up a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams uh, just to see that individual, those people face to face. I mean, one of the things we've implemented as a company, uh, you know, probably most companies have is just pretty much every meeting is... Uh, you know, we have to have video unless you're doing, you, you've got other things going on that, that you, where you can't be on video. Uh, but every one of my team meetings is, you know, uh, you know, uh, it is mandatory to have the video on to see one another, ideally connect with one another kind of, you know, while it's not face to face, at least face to face through, through virtual. Um, uh, so that's, you know, that's been some 
kind of interesting things that I've, I've noticed. I would say kind of taking it back a level to like, as I think about from a marketing marketer's perspective and our brand, and I know I mentioned at the outset, um, it's, it's an interesting or difficult time for marketers because you do have to be sensitive to how your brand is perceived. Um, again, not coming across too commercial or taking advantage of this situation in any way. Um, you know, leading with empathy, being thoughtful about, uh, you know, being in your audience's shoes. Um, but I think the other thing I would mention too is that one of the things we're really, tr- I think it's really important to be authentic to who you are, to who your company is, to your brand. Um, you know, that it, it, we're all in this together, truly, uh, you know, as a human race. Um, um, and now is the time to just, you know, to be authentic, to not, you know, uh, not be, again, trying to see, be seen as, as taking advantage of the situation in, in any way. Um, and for us, what that means is like, how can we help support our customers, our audience, our prospects, keep the engines of demand running from events um, and offer ways to help them stay connected with their uh, customers, prospects, employees, um, you know, and, and offer solutions for them to do that. Yeah, it's it's really just such a such a challenge um, that you have to put so much thought and effort into it. And I think that that's one of the things that has made this <laughs> kind of tough for a lot of leaders is they just haven't had to think about yeah. like the mechanics of all of these different things and how they how they interplay. Um, but you know, it's it uh, it definitely. I would say, you know, as someone who runs a remote company as well, it makes you double down on all the things to make sure that you're doing things that actually make time for personal uh, catch up, that make time for like water cooler talk, that make time for like not just being business and meeting, 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 meeting. Because I think that that's what a lot of people are feeling right now. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's exactly. I think that's really well stated. That's, you know, offering time for your, just understanding that there's also a, you know, a mental health element to this all that, you know, we're facing and and offering time for people to step away, um, you know, and, and, you know, do what they need to do to, to stay healthy from a mental standpoint. I, I think that's, that's right on. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. We love Salesforce. They've been with us since the very beginning of this podcast. Check them out, salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. James, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? I would say Words with Friends. <laughs> I play far too much during the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm racking up so many coins and bonus points. You have no idea. Do you, uh, do you play the, the like little lightning round? Speaking of lightning round, uh, the yes. lightning round? Yeah, those are fun. I feel like I have a good strategy for that. But And yes, I definitely do. I admittedly... Google search how to be better at the lightning round of words with friends (laughs) because I was like, I was like, dang, some people are racking up some really high points on this. So it's really fun. This is a total tangent, but it is something 
it was a really fascinating thing as someone like as someone who enjoys product and and uh, and was so fascinating when they added this feature to this silly game because it completely changes how someone plays Words with Friends. And I thought it was just like so fascinating yeah. to me that like you could take this thing, which is, you know, essentially Scrabble where it's like methodical and you're trying to find the right word and there's no time limit. And then all of a sudden you change it. It's like, oh, it's actually collaborative. You want to get more points. You want to do this stuff. It's just a fascinating little tweak. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely thoughts. It just changed just that little tweak changed the game completely for sure. A great advice for those product leaders out there looking for, you know, <laughs> that's true. Anytime yeah. you can change the timing in which something happens, you play with time and it changes everything. Um, okay. Back to the lightning round. What, uh, what is one hobby that you've picked up during the quarantine? Being a uh, teacher for my four-year-old from home, like, I know that's not a hobby per se, but just being able to, okay, what are, what are ways that I need to lesson plan for her today um, to, you know, make sure she's not in every one of my Zoom calls. Um, so there, you know, I have a new appreciation for her daycare for teachers at large because uh, it is not easy trying to uh, build a lesson plan and, and homeschool. Homeschool is the word I was trying to look for. Um, homeschooling uh, is the hobby I've definitely picked up. Best advice for a first time head of marketing? Focus on building a team that fill in your gaps. So if you uh, have skill sets or, or you have gaps or known gaps, get someone who's an expert, put that person on your team and delegate seed control to those individuals. Hidden talent or passion? I love soccer. Um, play, play, I now play too much. And, you know, now at my age, I've definitely kind of blown out my legs, but I uh, love watching it, love playing it. Yeah, I love following it. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Has anyone mistaken you for Brad Pitt? <laughs> Has anyone? No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, I, this podcast, your voice sounds just like Brad Pitt. So there you go. Oh, thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. This has been great. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Everybody should check out Certain, obviously. Yeah, certain.com. Uh, like I mentioned, we've got solutions to cover events of all types, sizes, uh, digital, in-person, hybrid. Uh, so yeah, we're here to help. Awesome. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Thank you so much. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels.
But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.